Hey, Diddly China is produced together with our friends at Radii, this awesome independent media platform. If you're interested in culture and innovation in China, you should definitely check out RadiiChina.com. They'll give you an inside look into everything from China's underground music scene to bike sharing. That's R A D I I China dot com. Tencent Music Entertainment looks set to be the third largest Chinese initial public offering in the U.S. this year. It actually is already very profitable. Spotify and Tencent each own around like a 10 to 12 percent stake in each other, and when they did that equity swap, it was a pretty landmark partnership. There really was nothing like it. I think they're just starting to crack the code. A few weeks ago, another Tencent service was publicly listed. This time, it was Tencent Music, making it interesting considering Spotify listed earlier this year. And actually, as a preparation for this IPO, Tencent Music tried to buy Spotify. But as everything in China, Tencent Music is very different from Spotify. The same way we can't call WeChat the Facebook of China. What are the differences between Tencent Music and Spotify? How does the music industry differ between China and the West? And then now you have this weird battle of rights, locking down content. And with music giants being built up both in China and the West, will we see a future battle between Chinese and Western music companies? To simplify, from the Spotify perspective, is Tencent Music a future friend or foe? And I think if they made a deal with Tencent, that would cause a lot of problems. That's a dramatic mismatch to the way Spotify operates. Welcome to Digitally China, a podcast about the fascinating Chinese, Chinese tech, tech industry, industry created together with Radii. I'm Eva. I'm Jacob, and I'm Tom. So, according to various studies, China's gaming industry is now, in fact, the largest in the world. You may know their messaging app called WeChat. Chinese outbound M&A. Chinese corporates are buying international companies at record pays. The hottest phone you've probably never heard of. China's Xiaomi, yes, it's staked its claim to Apple's crown. Major deal over in China. You have Chinese tech giant Tencent leading an 8.6 billion dollar acquisition to buy a major stake in Supercell. 14.3 billion dollars in sales bought by a Chinese e-commerce site in one wild day. Let's first go through what Tencent Music is by listening to a keynote speech that the CEO of Tencent Music and Entertainment did end of 2017. Core business of TME right now is the music streaming, and it's also the reason why all of the users come to our ecosystem. They need music content, but in order to make a ecosystem works good, we have to have traffic. So where does all this traffic come from? They are majorly from the Tencent social network. Although all of this platform is very huge in size, they have a really, really clear market positioning that help us to serve all of the market segments right. So while Spotify or Apple Music basically only are music streaming apps, Tencent Music is very different. The way the CEO refers to this is as an ecosystem where music streaming is kind of the hero product that brings the people in, but all the other apps in the ecosystem are actually making the money. So the main products from Tencent Music are basically four apps, with a total of, according to them, around 800 million active users per month. 
And the way they categorize this is calling it either online music services, which essentially is QQ Music and the streaming service, and then the social entertainment services. So of the 800 million active users, obviously the music streaming service attracts the majority of them. When it comes to social entertainment services, in the third quarter of 2018, they only had 225 million users. But it actually stands for the majority of the revenue because the streaming service only generates about less than 30% and their total revenues. For people who are familiar with China's tech industry, I think this is it's like a very common way of doing things, like this platform approach where you have one thing that brings in the volume, like the traffic, and then a bunch of other things that sit around it that can generate revenue. Like he mentioned, WeChat, the messaging app, right, where, I mean, now they have ads, um, there's payments, there's also all these other services like ride-hailing and e-commerce, like a platform where lots of people interact on it that gives Tencent the ability to charge businesses to have access to that traffic. I don't know if you use these apps, Eva, but so one of them, very popular, is called WeSing. As we know, karaoke or KTV is a big thing in China and in Asia. So WeSing is essentially an app uh, with a lot of add-on services that you can pay for, where you can either practice on your own karaoke songs, but also sing it with others, uh, like more or less making it virtual karaoke rooms, where you kind of enjoy music together with friends or people you don't know. Besides Weezing, the main kind of social music app they have is more or less live streaming apps that enables influencers or KOLs to live stream for for their fans. And, you know, for example, you know, me as a fan could ask my favorite influencer to sing a favorite song for me. And uh, I would pay for that by giving virtual gifts. Or, for example, a normal user that wants to become an influencer would be on the platform live stream while they sing certain songs or do certain performances. And then hopefully going viral and people would send you like virtual roses and whatnot. Very similar to how other live streaming services work in China. You know, what strikes me from all of this is that it's very... It's very obvious that it's like a tech company that's building a music platform versus like a music company building its own platform um, because it's all about plugging in different services into this, quote, ecosystem as opposed to understanding music itself or the music industry, right? Like it's like, oh, well, let's bring a lot of people to this platform, maybe because they're here to listen to music, and then let's plug in live streaming. Um, let's also plug in like a KTV or a karaoke app, and then let's also go offline, which is a very normal progression, right? And then with offline, we'll work with other players in the ecosystem like artists and help them do their offline events, which generate revenue too, right? Like it's a very tech company way of approaching this. The music itself could be any product, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like I, I think you're saying it in a nice way. Uh, if you were a music professional, maybe you would say that they were they like soul and they're pragmatic <laughs> and you know they don't only look at it as one of other things and they don't have the respect for the art behind music. Thanks. You're, you're saying what you know I wanted to say, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's very clear from their model, right? That this is the way that they view this industry. Yeah, and and I think like both reading a lot of the communication from them and listening to like senior execs being on different conferences, they repeat the word ecosystem over and over and over again. And they've actually made a lot of 
progression there, both for the user, obviously, in terms of being able to monetize on them multiple times, thanks to the music, but also on the business-to-business end. Let's listen to the CEO talk about this. Also invents the idea of master licensing model. What it means is we are not just trying to distributing your contents and promote your contents. At the same time, help you to monitor and see and how to protect your IP rights. In addition, we also team up our valuable partners, music labels, and also music platform to form the anti-privacy alliance in China. I think the China market right now is a little bit more legitimate and also more healthy when compared to the past few years. So basically, what the CEO of Tencent Music is saying there is there's less piracy compared to the past, right, in the Chinese music industry. And yes, like the Chinese government has cracked down on copyright infringement and has bolstered licensing for music and movies recently. But I think it's important to remember kind of how wild the Chinese industry was in the past, which is why I talked to a few experts about you know what was the music industry like, let's say five, ten years ago. So I spoke to Alex Taggart, who works at Outdistry, which provides music services for artists around the world.、Um, So, starting from five to ten years ago, you could say that downloading music in China was total free for all. Like you would just search for stuff online, and it would throw up an MP3 file that you could download. So, actually, being a music consumer at the time was really awesome. You didn't have to pay for anything. You just search for stuff, and then you put it on your iPod. So, in the process of you know China going from a place where there is no protection of music rights to a place where you know gradually the government is trying to enforce protections against copyright infringement. Tech companies have realized that music is a really good way to attract traffic and users, and as a result, they need to lock down as much content, you know, by buying up rights and exclusive deals to make sure that their competitors don't use music as a way to attract more users as well. And then now you have this weird battle of rights, like music rights and locking down content versus. Building really good recommendation engines. Yeah, and that sounds like the main difference between the Western and the Chinese market, especially when it comes to streaming platforms. In China, record labels are giving away exclusive rights, while in the West they will never do that to either Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, or anyone else. But on the other hand, Western music has slightly less important role to play in the ecosystem over here as well, considering there are so many local artists with local record labels that are attracting tens or hundreds of millions of fans only in, let's say, China or Japan or South Korea. Right. I guess my biggest takeaway from my conversation with you know, people who've been in the industry for a while is that it's not. The most healthy way to develop the music industry because the most foundational product is the music itself, right? So if you control the access to all, let's say, all the music in the industry, then that lets you plug in as many services as you want and monetize it. That's basically the rationale behind companies like Tencent Music. But what about the artists, right? Like from the artist perspective, you want to work with a bunch of different players in the industry because then they compete with each other, and you have a bit more leverage. And maybe you can use, like, let's say, YouTube for one thing, and then you use Spotify for something else, right? So from like the person who's producing the music or even the record label, a more competitive environment is probably more preferable. But if from a tech company perspective, you just want to lock down everything, and then you can make as many services and monetize it freely. And that's kind of what's happened in China. 
I mean, for me, I guess as a user, I've always been struck by like the the recommendation systems on Tencent Music. That's not the focus of the product, and you can really see that. Whereas in Spotify, like sometimes I don't even you could take this as a pro or con. I don't even follow the artists that they recommend, but I always enjoy the music that they're recommending anyway. Which means I'm not there to search for certain artists that I know will be available on the platform, right? I'm there because I enjoy the music that comes out of it. I think that's a really good point, Eva. I mean, due to exclusive access, it has maybe made the Chinese kind of streaming platforms more lazy. They don't need to build out all these other things in order to have a competitive product because they have exclusive access to certain rights. While in the West, you know. The main competitive advantage you would have is a great search or a great recommendation engine or whatever that could be. Yeah, just I think the emphasis on access to certain artists is less for sure than maybe how it's developed in China. So I think this ecosystem play from Tencent Music has actually proven itself because if we look at their KPIs, they are actually profitable with a net profit margin that's over twenty percent. Compared to, for example, Spotify, they are still losing a lot of money. And to summarize it, the secret formula seemed to be building an ecosystem for a user. I.e., making money from them through a lot of different other add-on services than just the music streaming, but also leveraging their unique position by having you know so much traffic, so they can force the record labels to sign these exclusive deals that essentially you know makes their costs lower. Yeah, I think in China they've this approach works really well, especially for a company that has a lot of advantages in terms of attracting traffic, like. It's one of the most popular apps in China with over a billion users, right? But I guess I'm curious, like if they want to expand outside of China, I wonder how well their approach will work and how they'll adapt to the differences in the Western market. A great question, and actually that's something I tried to figure out by talking to a guy called Jonas, a journalist based in Sweden, currently writing a book about Spotify. So he's kind of the perfect person to help us speculate about the future of the industry outside China. My name is Jonas Leonhuvud. I'm a business writer at the Dagens Industri in in Sweden, which is the main business publication. I grew up in the States partially. I, I went to high school and college in Tucson, Arizona, and、uh, I'm writing this book、uh, with my co-author Sven Carlson. He studied at Columbia、uh, School of Journalism, so we we both、uh, have a, a sort of an international perspective on things, and、uh, we're trying to have an international perspective on Spotify as we're writing this book. Spotify、uh, started was started by Daniel Ek and Martin Lawrenson, and and Daniel is the most famous at this point. He had、uh, started a few smaller companies and sold them before starting Spotify, and he was I think 22 years old when they started talking about this. Him and his co-founder Martin Lawrenson. Now his background at at the time that Spotify is started up. More interesting in many ways because he'd started Trade Doubler, which was an affiliate marketing company that was、uh, listed in、uh, November of 2005 on the stock exchange in, in Sweden, and it, and it attained、uh, unicorn status for a while. He sold his shares in this company and、uh, came away with about、uh, at that point maybe 50 million dollars something. And so he was a very wealthy man at the time when Daniel and Martin started Spotify, and he was able to invest.、Um, A lot of his、uh, 
personal fortune into Spotify. And that was crucial because it cost a lot of money to build a product and it cost a lot of money to uh, negotiate with the record companies. Uh, that took a couple of years before they were up and running uh, with the licenses. The product was, was finished way before that. And then uh, he was able to get the venture capital to Spotify at a, at a level that uh, was uh, sustainable because, of course, um, Spotify has needed to raise capital for a long time. It's still not turning a profit 10 years after the launch. And uh, Martin Lorenzo's personal financial situation was, was uh, key to Spotify uh, having a chance of becoming a big company the way it is today, the largest streaming company in the world. Yeah, I guess what really struck me from what Jonah said is that Spotify hasn't yet turned a profit. I mean, everything he said actually is in direct contrast with how Tencent Music works, right? Which is Tencent Music has developed in this way where music is essentially a way to bring in traffic and then the company already has all these other services that make money kind of independent of whether or not the music is considered good or not. It's just like a a means to an end sort of. Yeah, I think the core of it is exactly how different these contract negotiations are from the Tencent perspective. And Jonas actually gave us a quick intro about how these contracts with the record labels work on the Western market. Spotify's deals with uh, the major record companies is based on a rev share where they give about 70% to the the record companies and the publishing companies. And and then uh, they have to give advances and they have to give revenue guarantees. And uh, and there's also a per stream payment that can be um, uh, initiated if there are too many free streams to make Spotify, uh, to give them a, an incentive to convert from free to pay. But if, if you have you know, 90% free users in a country, Spotify will be punished uh, for that in the contract, and then they have to pay per streamed song. Otherwise, they just bundle the, the money they get from subscriptions with the money they get from advertisement, and they just give 70% of that basically to the record industry. So, so basically, the way the deals in the West work is that the record labels do not want users to listen to the music for free. But Spotify has been able to get contracts anyway to provide a free-to-use service in order to attract new users. Actually, in order to even be able to launch in the beginning, they actually give away quite a lot of shares. I think at the point of IPO, the record labels own about 11% of Spotify, which is a substantial part considering you know their valuation north of 20 billion US dollars. My translation of this is that, you know, due to owning the users, due to Tencent Music owning such a big part of the Chinese internet, thanks to Tencent, they were able to leverage that in combination with China being such a complex market and actually get what I would call the deal of a lifetime. And I guess something else is that even though users in China may not have this habit of paying for music, they will pay for content in other ways, like gifting virtual flowers to live streamers, right? I mean, there's also this habit of tipping, let's say, bloggers for liking their work or tipping content creators. And maybe by kind of amassing all these licensing deals and then asking people to subscribe as like a VIP member or something to gain access, maybe that is the smartest way to do it here, even though it wouldn't work as well in in the West. And when thinking about the future, this is actually very interesting because 
this Tencent Music versus Spotify comparison sounds very unlike other Chinese versus Western technology comparisons. For example, and financial, they leverage Alipay, which is a free-to-use service mobile payment with very low transaction fees. But then they monetize by selling the user loans or insurance products. So maybe by understanding what Tencent Music have built, we can guess a little bit about how the future also in the West will be. So I actually asked Jonas about what he thought Spotify's next steps are. Yeah, I suppose Spotify's next step in its evolution is is something they call the two-tiered market. They, they've been good at selling music to consumers, and now they're going to sell a platform for artists and producers to basically self-publish, to upload their music, to distribute it, to check out where their fans are. And that's good when you're touring. You want to know, okay, we're big in these three cities, so we'll go there and these songs are apparently popular in this city, so we'll play those songs on our set. So all that kind of data that bands need, Spotify wants to supply that. So they want to be like a Google suite for the music industry. And they've bought some companies to uh, help them in that pursuit, uh, like Soundtrap, for example, which helps artists produce music in real time over the internet just like working in Google Docs together. So I think that Daniel's vision and uh, Barry McCarthy's vision also, he's the head of finance over at Spotify, uh, is to pursue the strategy. And it's something that the market likes when they talk about. And you can see that when they've announced things, the share price increases. Again, I think like Spotify's way forward makes a lot of sense if you just view their business as we're going to understand music so well that we know how to recommend the best music for users and then also give advice or tips to musicians on what their users like, right? Tencent, again, is like doing their their platform play. For Tencent, it would have been amazing if they had bought Spotify because then they have both sides of this, right? The recommendation and the data on user taste, especially globally. Yeah, and that actually bugs me very much because like, I think a year and a half or two years ago, I made the projection that Tencent Music should buy Spotify or would buy Spotify. And, you know, before Spotify IPO, there were these more or less confirmed rumors that they were in conversations about just acquiring Spotify instead of, uh, you know, letting Spotify IPO, ending up with, you know, them just grabbing a little bit less than 10% shares of, of each other. But considering, you know, the future roadmap for Spotify, considering what Tencent has built and considering that Tencent has proved what types of record label deals you can sign when you own the consumer base. For me, it just didn't make sense that this deal didn't happen because it just feels like everything should have become much better instantly for both of these companies if they were to merge. I mean, I think you're forgetting the human element here, which is, you know, as a co-founder who's built a really successful product, do you really want to sell out and kind of merge into another company, I think? Even if logically or business-wise it makes sense, it doesn't mean people will actually do it. And then also, I I have no clue, but maybe he didn't like the way that Tencent was doing things. Yeah, actually, I asked Jonas about exactly this. Yeah, I think uh, Tencent buying Spotify seems like a good idea because you get uh, a chokehold on the on the world market for streamed music. But it seems like, and I don't know that much about how Tencent operates in China, uh, but it seems like if they're acquiring uh, master recordings and they're negotiating with uh, the record industry 
in those terms of uh, actually buying the music and then reselling it, uh, that's, that's a dramatic mismatch to the way Spotify operates. And I think if they made a deal with Tencent, that would cause a lot of problems for the operations in, in Europe and the US. I don't think that the way Tencent operates in China is acceptable practice. So they wouldn't want to negotiate with a, a Spotify slash Tencent those negotiations would they'd be so complicated that it would be maybe a nightmare. And if um, Daniel Lake is deciding between listing the company and uh, merging with Tencent in a complicated situation that would throw Spotify's negotiations with the record industry back years, then maybe he felt uh, it'd be better to list and to have a deal with Tencent that uh, allows them to move forward together and sort of uh, kick the can down the road and deal with some of these negotiations later. Of course, in the end, it makes sense that this will be a worldwide industry and that all countries will have access to a few streaming alternatives. That's where things should end up in the long run. Yeah, obviously it makes sense that the market shapes the product. And in a market like China, which is a bit more isolated, that Tencent Music, and I think it's very smart the way that they've done things, would, I guess, be more assertive or aggressive when dealing with record labels compared to the way that Spotify has developed. And I, I guess personally, I'm glad that they didn't merge, even though I know that was your big conspiracy theory of last year, um, because I just think that monopolies are not a good deal for users. Um great for maybe the people in the industry. I guess you have a point then. I just wanted to be right for once. So, so you know, that's why I want to see the deal <laughs> happening. <laughs> but on the other hand, like if we fast forward, whether it is five years or 20 years, this seems to be bound to happen. You know, that the future of the industry is more and more getting into the hands of the technology companies, that they have built up these vast platforms with loads of data being able to guide artists to what type of music to create, or at least how to market their music to which target group. And also from the user perspective, being able to access everything in the entire world, whether it is music or music videos or live stream of a concert or you know, just an influencer doing cover of your favorite song, being able to access that through just one app. Yeah, and I think um, there's this term, I don't think it's limited to China, but it's been used a lot here, pan entertainment, which is kind of bundling movies, music, all kinds of entertainment basically into one service. And I don't think that Tencent has has really implemented this to its fullest, you know, because they're a gaming company too, right? Like they're very dependent on how their gaming business goes as well. And you could also loop that under this pan entertainment concept. Um, I think Amazon Prime has done this really well, right? Like kind of bundling its services together under one subscription. In the future, maybe companies can't view music so separately from other types of entertainment. And also, like you mentioned, with social apps, like, I mean, if you look at TikTok, which merges user-created videos with music how addictive that is for users i mean you can see like that's a that's a totally different model right like that's not streaming but it's also this combination of music and video and i guess i'm curious how those social apps will get involved in the industry too yeah and looking at you know this tencent music ipo looking at how the music industry is going to become in the future i personally very look forward to study this market over the next year or so because I think we can all agree that a majority of the future kind of entertainment consumer whether it is music or video or whatnot exists in 
Asia. So it feels very logical that that's where everyone is headed, uh, whether it is Tencent that already are expanding heavily in Southeast Asia or the Western internet companies, Spotify, Apple Music, or maybe even Amazon that also need to go there in order to, you know, kind of grow their companies. For this topic, it brings us back to the original question, you know, how will all these things play out? Is Tencent Music a friend or a foe, considering how critical winning in Asia will need to be for a bunch of these Western companies as well? As a consumer or user, I'm excited for when we get to the point where whatever music app I open, it recommends great music from all over the world. Like, I'm curious what kind of music, let's say, from India or Indonesia or China or from other markets I would really enjoy based on my music taste that isn't, like, let's say, restricted to the market where or the country or culture where I grew up in, right? And it would be great to see these music platforms expand globally and be able to recommend music from all over the world based on what you like, which, you know, it's language agnostic, right? So I'm excited to reach that point. Yeah, absolutely. So by looking deeper at Tencent Music, understanding how they make their deals, understanding how they monetize, I think it's a very good pointer of how the digital music entertainment services globally will change going forward. And maybe this is kind of uh, the answer to the overall question about how YouTube Music or Spotify or Apple Music are supposed to make money. So thanks again for listening to Digitally China. As always, we welcome any feedback or suggestions that you have and we hope that you and your loved ones had a wonderful new year's and happy 2019